Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I am Kushi and I am thrilled to be joining the Matrix Green Pill team as one of the co-hosts. As my very first guest on the show, I'm keen to introduce you to our brand new podcast guest, Nitin Govilla. He is a global business executive with an extensive background in building and growing regions and organizing across multiple industries. Nitin, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kushi. And um, as I just heard, this is your first one. So wishing you the best. And I'm sure you'll have many more to conduct and many more interviews to have on your podcast in the future. So great to be here and uh, great to be chatting with you. Thank you so much. I feel the same. Let's get right into it. Nitin, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is Nitin Govila, as Kushi mentioned. I've been um, living in Singapore for the last 15 plus years, working with a French company called Serge Ferrari. It's a world leader in composite and uh, composite materials, which actually, in terms of easiness of understanding, I may say it's a technical fabric or a tensile fabric, which is used for interior or exterior applications. So we have uh, multiple products covering multiple market segments for um, from blinds, awnings to exteriors, stadiums, structures like stadiums, airports, walkways, for furniture, for small tents, big tents, biogas, and multiple applications. And um, I manage the Asia-Pacific, Middle East, and Africa business. Plus, I'm also leading the strategic uh, direction or the global uh, direction for three strategic markets out of five, which is very core to our company. I'm managing that. I'm based out of Singapore. So, and obviously it means with my role, there's a lot of travel. I'm traveling across the world and I'm nearly 50% of time. Um, I'm moving between uh, countries. Just a bit background. Um, I started my career in India, worked in building sector uh, in paints and in uh, dairy. Then I decided to move to France to do my international MBA, which was a very big decision I took in my life. And ever since then, I've been associated with French companies. Work few years in France and then move to Singapore. So that's been my journey in terms of the professional side. On the personal side, I'm also a meditation trainer with the heartfulness practice of meditation. And I've been uh, practicing this uh, meditation for the last 20 plus years. And also for the same amount of time, I've also been a trainer. So I'm happy to share about this practice. And I do that every week as a volunteer. And we share this practice of meditation with corporates in Singapore and across the world either through physical or in-person sessions and also any individuals who are wishing to start this practice. So that's something very close to my heart and that's something I love uh, doing it. That's not in brief, but, uh, uh, you know, just a kind of introduction to what I am. That was a very interesting introduction, knowing that you've traveled around so much and meditation is an additional part of your portfolio. So could you tell me a little bit more about what you do in terms of meditation practices? Heartfulness meditation is the name of the practice. So which means that basically it's a practice where we meditate on the heart. It's a simple practice, a silent meditation where we gently close our eyes in a relaxed way, bring our attention to our heart and just rest there. We are trying to not use the mind because um, I always believe there's always sometimes misunderstanding on what meditation means for people. And the very simple way I explain is that you don't concentrate to meditate but you meditate to concentrate, meaning actually the concentration or any kind of other elements of focus or productivity or any other things which you may be looking for is always the byproduct of meditation. And that's where you are 
what the whole element of meditation is. You're trying to calm your mind. You're trying to put your mind at rest because all this churning which happens in the mind is the reason for all the stress, all the thoughts, all the lack of uh, focus or concentration and all other challenges we face where, where it creates a clutter. And the fact that when we are able to meditate on the heart, we are able to move our attention from those things and gently go and reconnect with our inner self which possibly we have lost over the years. So this is what the practice does. It's a simple practice. You need a trainer to help you start the meditation. And after that, it's self-practice. And then you, the trainer guides you in your journey as you go along on a weekly basis. Most of it is self-practice. And you can do it virtually or you can do in person. And we have trainers all across the world. The interesting part of this practice is that it's offered free. As a trainer, I'm a volunteer. I've decided myself to give a certain amount of time to help people start meditation. No trainer is paid for that. The organization itself does not charge money for meditation because it believes very strongly that a practice of meditation should be offered free and should be available and accessible to all across the world. Being able to achieve mindfulness and being able to declutter yourself and all of that for free would definitely be a tempting offer for a lot of people. And since you've traveled so much and been involved with mindfulness of activities, during your times of distress, how do you remind yourself to get back into the calmness and the, regain your composure? Kushi, just a little bit correction I may want to do. Heartfulness is not mindfulness. I know the name rhymes, but um, mindfulness is a total different set of practice. Heartfulness is totally different. It's not a type of mindfulness. It's absolutely not at all in a way connected or similar to what one may do in mindfulness. I have been exposed to mindfulness also. So heartfulness is a very simple and a total different way. It's more quiet meditation. It's more about meditation by keeping your attention on your heart. Everything is related to the heart and those uh, elements. So it's absolutely different. As I said, also, it's something which is offered free. Whereas I'm sure with mindfulness, when you go, sometimes you may have to pay or you have to do some courses. Whereas this meditation practice, if you want, it can be with you for your lifetime. If you want to do for a short time, it's your choice. Any meditation practice is always recommended to be continued and be part of your journey. Coming back to your question, any time of distress, the best way is to take few moments off. It could be five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, sit in a quiet place and just again, close your eyes, gently bring your attention to your heart and start the meditation. So that's one of the ways which helps me to bring back that attention to myself and connect with my inner self. I'm able to cut myself out of all that uh, distress, if you may say so. On the other side, we also have another element which um, is to be done we generally recommend as part of the practice to be done in the evening is what we call as cleaning or removing a way to remove the burdens of the day. So if sometimes certain things are really bothering you, then we have a practice where you can work on yourself to remove those impressions and burdens, which then once you do it, even for five minutes or 10, 15 minutes, you feel lighter and fresher. And that again helps you to, you know, jump into anything which you wanted to with the renewed energy and focus. Thank you so much for the correction. I think I needed to know that. Since you have been around so many places and come across different sorts of people, you mentioned that you started off in India, moved on to Paris and Singapore. Have you experienced any cultural shocks through your travel journeys? After actually 
having spent so many years across different countries, nationalities, cultures, and working with different people, I would hesitate to use the word shock because sometimes shock can be associated with the negative element. I would say it's more wonder, curiosity and wonder. And that's where it's very important because I think this is one point I would like to emphasize. The moment we try to say something is as a shock, then we are trying to judge it against something which we are more comfortable with and trying to then relate or assume something is good or bad. If we look at something which we are exposed to, which is very different, we relate it or connect it to with curiosity and with wonder to be associated and learn from that culture or to be able to adapt to that way of working or living or speaking or connecting becomes very easy. So then you're coming out also of your comfort zone to be able to do so. The moment you think of it as a shock, I think you're still blocking yourself and you're trying to be judgmental. Whereas one big thing which one has to learn when they work and travel across the borders and countries You cannot be judgmental. You have to be open. You have to be accepting. You have to be patient. You have to be a good listener. You also have to have curiosity. Ask questions. Try to understand. Try to observe. When you're going for work, I always try to walk around to see because that gives you a real flavor of the culture and how things work. And then obviously you bring that knowledge to your workplace, which helps you then work very well with all of your colleagues from different nationalities and cultures. I actually completely agree with that school of thought. It's always important to keep your mind open, especially when you're interacting with a new person from a different cultural background. I agree with that completely. Yeah, and I think uh, this is key and it's normal. I mean, I'm not trying to judge again or blaming people, but it's normal when you one comes from a certain environment where you've stayed maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or a big part of your life. Suddenly you see something else and then the immediate thing we try to get into the mode of judging. I think that's where even sometimes when people travel or get a chance to travel, a little bit work or a little bit reading somewhere to just understand is always helpful because it prepares you well. And thereafter, then it's each one's personality or way of working or interacting that obviously may come with experience, but also it may be natural to you also, which can help you a lot. I completely agree, especially when you're stepping into a new territory or around new people. It's important to walk in with an open mind. That's very, very important. Even though we may feel, okay, maybe you go to a culture which is not Anglo-Saxon, maybe it's not English speaking. That does not mean that Maybe they may not be comfortable with the language, English language, but that does not mean they are not smart. That does not mean they cannot understand your body language or your non-verbal cues. That's where we have to be careful. And this is where the first uh, element of connecting comes. Of course, I highly admire your school of thought. Since you are speaking about uh, cultural differences, since you've experienced so many cultural differences and you've worked across different regions and you're managing independently operated territories, what are some challenges that you have experienced of working across so many different regions? I think the biggest one is about different working style. That is obviously very key because, um, as I said, Good people exist everywhere. Good professionals exist everywhere. It's just a question the way they look at things, the way they work. Again, here the same element comes. One may be used to a certain style of working, which you feel maybe is the best way. So how you let people interact, speak up, some cultures, some people will take time to say something. Some will be a bit hesitant. 
So these are the things you have to observe when you're meeting people, when you visit new countries or meeting first time uh, your local people in a different country. You have to understand that some people may be very hesitant in front of talking, but they may have excellent ideas. They may have excellent observations. So how do you get that, create that environment of comfort where they can share openly becomes very key. And all that starts from curiosity. All that starts from listening, I would say. I agree. Curiosity is very important. It's important to listen and to be heard at the same time. Yeah. In terms of marketing and communications between these territories that you manage, what are the major communication and cultural differences that you have noticed? The buying process, the selling process, even construct of a country in terms of how products in a certain business may be sold. In some countries, there is a certain kind of um, go-to-market approach that may not work in another country because there is a different kind of construct of uh, that business. For me, working in building material is a perfect example where it's so different between each country. Even the products you may sell between different countries, even the way you will sell, even the working relationship you may have with different um, clients, customers, is so different. Even the influencers or other people who play a role in product selection, it's so different. And that's what makes it interesting because then you have to make a very localized strategy towards marketing and communication, which could be either marketing tools, either explaining the same thing in a certain way, or how would you want to set up meetings or meet people, it automatically you know changes. And that's what um, makes it interesting, but also challenging because Obviously, then when you don't have similarity across borders or across countries, which also means countries have to invest a lot more to understand, have much more local um, employees and obviously have to invest a little bit more in marketing to have different tools adapted to that country. Of course, that makes sense. Moving on to a little more environment focused topic, sustainability. That word is slowly and surely becoming an important buzzword in the corporate world, regardless of what industry you're coming from. So how do you see the shaping the future of the region? The consciousness towards that, as you rightly mentioned, is happening. Even in countries where you may call them either developing countries or, uh, I mean, that definition, I think the awareness is uh, gaining. A lot of uh, decisions at the government level or other levels are being taken with that fact in mind. When you talk to people, I mean, in our business, when we talk to architects, we talk to sometimes final clients, the element of how we can save energy, if use this product, where do you use this product, what kind of advantage you can bring either to some energy cost, energy consumption, comfort of employees, comfort of people living in a building or in a home. People are now opening their eyes. People are opening their ears. They listen. They ask for that. Sometimes they ask for certain kind of certification. Sometimes they ask for other kind of tests to say that uh, the products fall into that. So all those things are gaining traction. A lot of countries in the region or the areas I cover, they have built their decade plans, the 2030 plan or a 2050 plan. And a lot of steps have started being taken in that direction. And so obviously that presents a unique challenge for us and an opportunity, which means as a company, our R&D has to work to look at the future trends, to give get the feedback from us in the field, 
try to work on those products where you know that in three, four years time, suddenly you are at the right time with the right product and to anticipate that. That is something we are well placed as a company because that's a very key goal we've defined for ourselves also as part of 2025, as part of 2030. We are working a lot on products made out of recycled uh, yarns and, you know, uh, material. We are also looking at end of life, how to use the product at the end of life. We are also looking at products if they are put at certain areas of the building, what energy advantage they can bring in terms of air conditioning loads and heating loads for the buildings. We are trying to not only look at one part of it, we are trying to look at global part of it, even our own internal practices, the kind of maybe rental cars the company has for employees. All those are put under discussion now and are being regularly looked at. And I think that um, companies like us have to take the lead. But at the same time, we see that more traction and hearing to what we are bringing as a message in the market also and in the local countries. So you're seeing a lot more happening sometimes in countries where you would assume, no, maybe they are not uh, concerned about that. No, it's absolutely not the case. You see more openness towards new ideas and new developments in many of the countries. That's an interesting point of view. And I also admire how companies have been focusing on sustainability and preserving the environment and setting their visions for net zero. So I agree with what you said. It's going to grow, you know, and it puts, a, I would say, a unique challenge, but a responsibility on companies which are working across borders. Because the beauty that when you work across countries and across geography, while it obviously good for business for sure, but at the same time, then you have to be adaptable enough because the rules and the norms and the expectation changes by country to country. Of course, I completely agree with that. In terms of sustainability, what in your opinion are some opportunities that sustainable companies provide? Well, opportunities would be, as I said, obviously, if companies are focused on their R&D and innovation is focused towards developing products like that, then for sure they are much better placed for the future in terms of business. Because if norms, standards, I mean, I'm talking about how the things work in a building sector. If norms and standards change that a certain kind of building has to use a certain kind of material and it's driven by the standard and the norms of that country, if you are not aligned to that or you don't have the necessary or the right product to that, then for sure you are as good as out of the market. You cannot sell a single product in that market. This, as I again said, is a challenge of how well you are placed and timing yourself. It then presents you a wonderful opportunity also because, okay, it's not about the extra dollar sales you will do or a margin you'll make, but in the end, you also feel pride in saying that you have developed those products which are really bringing positive impact to the environment, to the society and the people at large. Hmm, I completely agree with that. Now we have come to the segment of our show where I will ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Yes. So it's going to be a think fast situation. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite time of day? Morning. If you could grab a cup of tea with any one person in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, I would love to have it done more often with my wife because since I'm traveling so much, it sometimes really becomes a challenge, you know, and if I'm coming across from different time zones, then the mornings could be different. So I would really love to do that more often. That's very sweet. If you were to throw a networking party, who would be the first three people on your guest list? I don't know whether I can give names. I can maybe answer it in a way that a profile of people I would want to have. 
definitely I would want to have in a networking party my meditation guide or the spiritual guide because obviously what he will bring to that kind of environment would be amazing to have in there. It sets a different tone. I would also love to have a key sports personality because people who are in sports, they also bring a very unique perspective to life because it's not easy to be in sports day in and day out, training yourself, going through the ups and downs, more downs and ups in that sense. So they also bring a good perspective and then they are able to really also connect with everyone around because that's in the way of things, what they do. Third person could be a normal, um, I mean, that's the tricky one, but I would say, you know, even to have a normal person there, why should be only just, a, you know, when we talk about networking, we always look at people with positions and titles and place in the society. But why cannot be a normal person? Because sometimes when you are in a network event, all of them come from a certain strata of society. Okay, you feel happy, but there's always an angle behind it when you're networking. There's sometimes also a lot to learn with people who are leading simple lives and maybe they are much more happier than somebody who's striving to connect or make that one more connection to gain something personally or financially. So I will have a very different perspective in that sense, just to bring that element also to just have a normal uh, person or a normal human being who may not have any titles or anything to boast of in that sense. That's a very interesting answer. And last question of the rapid fire round. What is something new happening in your life right now? I would say the new thing is about the role which I've just recently taken over where I'm managing the key strategic markets for the global business, which means that um, it also brings me into brand product management, looking at um, working with R&D and also working with some other geographies which have not worked like Europe like and, in, and with the uh, people in Americas. So that's something new. It's just uh, started a few months back and it's also a time where it's a budgeting time. So I'm trying to, you know, balance both the things, my current role, which will still continue, which is pure business and operational and the other part, which is more strategic to do that. So that's something very new happening. And I'm really enjoying that. Obviously, it's keeping me busy from morning to night, but um, I'm really enjoying that. That is an interesting answer. Now, before we wrap up, we would like to ask you about your green pill moment. Could you please tell us about an inspiring or life-changing experience that you have gone through, which would identify as your green pill moment? There are many moments, but I would say one moment which really stands out, which I touched upon briefly in my introduction, was a time when I decided that um, after working seven years in some good sectors and good companies, I felt I needed to do something different or the world environment had changed. And it motivated me to do an MBA and do an international MBA and then to take a decision that to leave everything, leave my job. I had a family also, a young family that time and go for a self-paid uh, MBA was a big decision. A lot many things were not clear. I was also going out of India for the first time in my life. I had not even gone for a holiday overseas. It was a big decision, but I felt convinced I had to do. I had belief in myself and faith in myself. And that took me along. It was not easy initially when you come to a European country where there's a language constraint, there's a cultural constraint, which is different from an Anglo-Saxon country. But then we come to feel really nice to do an MBA from one of the top institutes in the world, HEC Paris, which is now ranked among the top three in the world for MBA, full-time MBA. It was an amazing experience. I learned a lot, made some excellent friends, discovered new cultures, gave me an opportunity to do a live project where the local company liked my work and then offered me a full-time job after I finished my MBA. And then living there for a few years really changed my life and set me on a different career path. And fully credit goes to that uh, experience and exposure. So 
what i took out of that was you know when you firmly believe and things are pointing you in a direction i mean be ready to take those steps obviously nobody knows what's really in the front because i have seen sometimes you know each door opens step by step but if you see a door is opening maybe that gives you an indication and a hint yes keep on moving and that's what i did obviously nobody knew where i will land where i will get a job whether i will get a job or not all those things i never knew that i kept on moving doors kept on opening i took one step then another step another step and that's it so belief in yourself is very important keep on trying keep on working hard and sometimes when you feel convinced that some decisions you have to take you have to take and don't then try to take too many advices or talk to too many people because everybody will give i'm not saying they are wrong they don't wish well for you it's just that they will give their opinion and their advice from their perspective which may help you which may not but the more you speak to more people the more uh, opinions you'll get so at some point of time that's where and i was already meditating and frankly that's where meditation helped me because obviously these conflicting opinions i was also hearing but one day i said let me sit down with meditation with that thought that maybe by the end of meditation i get a clear direction and answer which i actually got and that really convinced me yeah this is the way to go that's very interesting in time of doubt it's very important to have faith in yourself and believe in yourself yeah and be able to listen to your inner voice if you have your clutter in your mind you will never be able to do so of course exact i agree nitin thank you so much for your time on our show today and for sharing your fantastic story with us i'm sure many of our listeners would be truly inspired by your journey and experience are there any final comments that you would like to share no comments i think thanks for very interesting questions which you asked kushi i'm sure um, you know it would have been a great experience for you also this discussion but i really enjoyed it because sometimes it covered many interesting facets of my journey but also i hope i was able to bring some points which could be useful to your audience or the people who would listen to that but also you know when you look back with these questions you also appreciate what one has gone in that life because sometimes when you move so much ahead i mean when something happened 15 years back you tend to forget about that it was good to little bit dive back into your past also so thank you for those interesting uh, questions actually i'm glad you found the questions interesting and thank you for being such an easy to talk to first guest of my podcast Before we say goodbye could you please tell our listeners where they can find and follow you LinkedIn is the best place you can search for me with my name Nitin Govilla and you'll find me there you can message me there and I'll immediately connect and if you have any questions please uh, feel free to write and you know I'm happy to connect and if somebody wants to just have a chat with me to learn more about your experience my experience and even just to want to discuss anything I'm more than happy to do so really more than happy and i can share my experience of certain specific countries also if people would like to know more that way that sounds great thank you so much again for joining us today and we wish you all the very best thanks kushi thank you very much for having me over and uh, great to be talking with you and um, being part of your own journey which is starting today with this first podcast so that's also for me very nice to feel that way yeah thank you If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.